Next on the Well of Sound, the Beach Boys in the 70s. The Sunday morning gospel goes good with the soul. up front that when in the 1980s when the Beach Boys were doing all of their they started to have like a July 4th concert because they were America's band right Um, there was this people were like yeah the Beach Boys they're wholesome surfing USA and then like finally anyone who looked into the history of the Beach Boys were like wait a second yeah there's, there's Charles Manson there's enormous amounts of drugs there's all sorts of uh, crazy stories about these guys crazy so uh, we need thing. to not have them do this concert and I think like Reagan like decided yeah, or yeah. Nancy some one of the right, get them off the mall get them off the mall <laughs> because like they present this image and they've got these pinstripe shirts and they were told they couldn't headline the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967 right because they're Hendrix because they're too clean cut even though Brian was like on the guiding committee for it but when we get to 1970 Lex like you've got um their star is rapidly in decline right critics are, are kind of fed up with them right critics are fed up people can't see past the image they're um, done with capital they're on to reprise capital which is basically the record label they more or less built yeah it's that's their their catalog is still enormously successful so they can do whatever they want right there's a steady stream of royalties even then we i should say i people that don't know the beach boys is three brothers and their cousin uh so it's brian wilson who's the oldest son dennis wilson who's the middle son and carl wilson who's the youngest son of a family um murray and audrey wilson and murray was sort of a failed songwriter right they have a cousin named mike love and a friend of Brian's from high school named Al Jardine. And then there's this guy that they bring in to help named Bruce Johnston, who kind of becomes a member of the band. You see the, basically our forte is harmonics. We have a harmony blend because we're brothers and a cousin. We're a family like the King sisters, you know, Um, there's a certain family blend. Our throats are similar or something. I don't know what the case is. We all have different voices, but nevertheless, we blend well. You forget that these these guys became famous when they were like 16, 17, 18 right. and they don't have college degrees. They barely, no. have, they don't really even have high school degrees. And, and suddenly and they basically define the, the sound of, of rock and roll for five good years. Right. Yeah. I'd say 1962 to 1966 in America, the beach right. boys have, and in the world, but the beach boys, they're defining the American, they, they are the American Beatles. They are the ones, but it, they're distinct, and they're that big of a deal, and they're also that big. Of, they're, they're they're that big a deal on the sort of teeny bopper uh, front of sort of talking about cars and surfing, but they're also for those who've got kind of ears to hear. There's um, people know that 
there's something sophisticated going on and right. as life as, as as sort of the 60s go forward and Brian Wilson who you know is the sort of mastermind of the sound at least he uh, he stops touring and uh, the Beatles take notice people sort of saying hey I think that there's something really almost like changing in the sound something going on this guy's like a preternaturally gifted oh. songwriter he's by himself really he's not a John Lennon and McCartney it's it's just Brian I keep going back to the idea that this one person influenced so many musicians like you just hear it over and over and over again it's Brian almost Wilson. unfair. It's like he got to these high harmony vocal things first. Right. And he was able to take some of that, uh, you know, very buttoned down for freshman um, right. thing and combine it with Chuck Berry early, early days. And it just, it just worked. But he also, it wouldn't have worked unless Brian himself hadn't had such a, an ear. You know, and he was deaf in one ear. Oh, really? Yeah. So he was, and when you see him talk, you can he he talks sort of out of one side of his yep, mouth, but yep. that's because people think it's because of brain damage or LSD or something, but it's because he can only hear out of one ear. You see, in the '40s and '50s, arrangements were considered okay. Here, listen to that French horn, or let's listen to this string section now. You know what I mean? It was all a definite sound. There weren't combinations of sound, and with the advent of Phil Spector, we find sound combinations which scientifically speaking is uh, it's a brilliant aspect of sound production what's happening with the beach boys in say 1969 like they're suing capital records for um for their royalties yep and uh, they're uh they're Basically, Brian is in total retreat. Yep. He has had a, a terrible um, kind of uh, what we would call like a drug-induced nervous breakdown. Okay. Trying to complete, complete smile and dealing with the internal resistance from the band as well as like competition and just a very fragile psyche and a, you know, kind of abusive father and all these right. things. Um, and as far as other shitty things going on in the late 60s, <laughs> uh, Carl is on the FBI's list um, because a he's a conscientious objector, so yeah. he's in and out of court. Uh, Dennis is is already sort of starting to spiral as the wild man, and, and as you mentioned, uh, Manson and the family have have come into his life, and he's welcomed them. This is before any of the 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 murders, mm-hmm. um, and Manson is is trying to to break into music and doing so by nesting in, in Dennis's zone. What what's happening is basically these guys who, who pioneered a sound, but essentially, I mean, at least initially a teeny bopper sound. Mm-hmm. The seventies is about transitioning into adulthood and figuring out who the hell they are now. And it's interesting, man. It's very interesting. These guys, like, it is like a Whitman sort of, they contain multitudes. And like, you could tell that I'm very passionate about this band. They're, I, when people ask me who my favorite group is, the, it's Beach, the Beach Boys, Boys are always the answer I give. And it's not, the music is so close to my heart, but it's also the characters and the story and the sort of non-rock and rollness of it, yet at the same time, the ultimate rock and roll story. Yeah. I was thinking about this, thinking about um, the Wilsons in particular, but all the conflict that's involved, uh, and, and thinking about, you know, there are these biopics that we all go to, Johnny Cash and Ray Charles and, and that stuff, and I'm like, dude, the Beach Boys are... Th- 
the most insane rock story, like more than ACDC or Black Sabbath or whatever. Like these guys are wrecking shop. Man. I mean, and they have all the excess. Like Dennis uh, is is like as excessive as Keith Moon is in the yes. sort of sex and drugs arena for sure and then brian adds the mental health component and just the ins- just the crazy Brian's the aussie impulsive yeah he is the aussie he has the he's the he no impulse control right whatsoever and i will say that one of the joys of 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 digging in with these guys especially in the 70s is just watching interviewers talk to brian and you know when brian's high or brian's actually doing well and functioning like it's it's a pleasure to listen to him because you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's hilarious. He's touching. He's vulnerable, as you said. I mean, it, you know, he's kind of a teddy bear. And then he's the he's weirdest teddy bear. You he's out of it. It's one word answers and like asking if he can leave the interview now. That's right. like where it goes. There's, right. a, there's a child likeness because he to just him. saw Dracula behind you. <laughs> I was confined in my bedroom. I was taking drugs. I was snorting cocaine, which I don't uh, agree with. I mean, I don't uh, get behind anyone snorting cocaine. It's a very bad drug, but I did, and I did it. I had a lot of money. Of course, I'm a millionaire, and and, uh, I was able to get a hold of all these drugs, you know, and they fuck. (laughs) I was able to get a hold of all these drugs, and they messed me up. They, uh... They messed my mind up. But so, so 1970 brings Sunflower. And, you know, if the critics had, critics had sort of rejected the Beach Boys, you know, in the late, late, late 60s, Sunflower kind of makes their ears perk up a little bit, right? Very much so. And a lot of people say it's a great return to form. It's extremely uh, beautiful, sophisticated music. Um, it is the worst-selling Beach Boys album. Get out of my At face. that time, it was the worst-selling Beach Boys. I think at one point it was... Because they're on Warner Brothers now. This is the, this, They start their own record label called Brother Records. And um, at one point, it was like the worst-selling catalog album on the entire label for a little while. And Sunflower, he shows up, like, it's not, not a very rock and roll cover. It's like, they, they're on their cover. They're, um, I think, you know, one of the guys is wearing a tuxedo. Mike Love is wearing, looks like an, like a desert monk. Uh, Brian is, you know, I think he's, he's got, like, a hat on. Maybe he's, like, selling ice cream or something. It's a very strange concept for a record cover. <laughs> and they're playing with their kids, which is right. not very transgressive in 1970. Right. The story of the Beach Boys in the 70s is the story of the group rather than Brian Wilson because right. it, Carl is producing this record, mm-hmm. not Brian. It says, with help from Brian or something like that. Carl is producing it, or the, produced by the Beach Boys with special thanks to Carl. Dennis, though, out of nowhere, or not completely out of nowhere, but he's got four songs on there that he, yeah, he's, man. he's the first, he, op- he opens it by singing Slip On Through. Let's play Slip We got on it, through. yeah, of course. Lots of people with no place to go. I know a place where you can go. You've got the ticket, come on, slip inside. And let my song take you for a ride. Baby, I do. Now, can you see what has come over me? 
so good. It's incredible. I mean, the very next song, I'm going to play you the opening song. This is written by Brian, sung this by This Whole Carl. World? Yeah. I'm thinking about a this whole voice that's carl's voice now carl he sings god only knows in the 60s but he doesn't sing much during their classic era most of those songs are sung by mike yeah with the let's go surfing he's got the nasally voice or brian which is the high you know get around you know like a don't worry baby voice yeah you have carl who's actually got the most angelic voice of all of them it sweeps you away Mm -hmm. that's a cute little album it had a lot of uh, delicacies it. it was a delicate album and uh which i like very much i like delicate sounds anything delicate we gotta play uh i think forever I mean, just to step us into dennis yeah i mean because dennis later on in the same th- this whole record i could play if the song i sing to you could fill your heart with joy i'd sing forever wondering if they recorded a version of that with John Stamos singing lead later on in their oh, career? No. The answer is yes. No. <laughs> they go from the highest highs to the lowest of the lows. Oh, no. Stephanie, I'd like to introduce to you the legendary Beach Boys. Big boys. <laughs> Cute kid. But by the way, the, the sessions for uh, Sunflower... Um, it had one of these gestation periods where they uh, recorded a record called Landlocked. It got rejected by the label. Rejected by the label. And then they, they went back. They recorded at, at the same time? Beforehand. Before. Okay. They, then they had to go back and like they came up with what was Sunflower. So there's like 40 songs they recorded around this time. And the How Beach Boys vault. So prolific? I mean, I guess it's because like at that point, they they still got money flowing. And as you said, they can kind of do anything. Mm-hmm. So they tap into it and they just go and go and go. And it's all music all the time. And they're just... I mean, we, remember we talked about Ike Turner being like loving the studio? Yeah. No, I wouldn't call these guys control freaks. <laughs> because right. they've got other problems, but that's not really it. No, well, they're out of control fundamentally. But they, they love the studio. And pretty much all of them love the studio, which is strange. Except with the maybe exception of Mike, who likes to be out on the road. On stage. On stage. They right. like to... So they're constantly recording. Right. And so the Beach Boys... One of the fun things about getting to the Beach Boys originally was to discover that there's mountains, literally mountains of unreleased material, or there was when I was getting into them in the yeah. early 90s. And I'd say 80% of it was excellent, uh-huh. and the, re- the other 20% was terrible, but in the most fascinating way possible. Of course. And again, going back to Brian as um, and the Beach Boys as 
inspiration for other musicians. Like it's all the, the experimentation inspires people to mm. start thinking about their own music. It's just incredible. It's incredible. And they, they're still, in, they're more influential. This period of theirs is more influential today, I think, than it was original. I mean, than it has been in a long time. Like right. you, you listen to some of this stuff and you could be like, Oh, that's what the flaming lips are trying to do. Right. Tame Impala. Yeah. You hear them all over this stuff. So the record goes nowhere. The, you know, everyone's creating these long blues rock epic songs. Right. What we're, what They're really striking up against what's actually happening in rock and roll at the time and, and not fitting. Totally unfashionable. Yeah. They're creating these crystalline three-minute pop songs. But they're, they're touring. That's their consistent thing. I mean, even if, if Brian's not there, um, the other gang is showing up. And while Dennis probably isn't playing he's playing court jester on stage right because he's usually not drumming somebody's got to fill in for him because didn't he have a hand injury or something or well, that, that comes was, later, that later with ricky star 73 but so they, uh, they and also he's shooting a movie he shoots this and uh, a extremely boring movie frankly that with james taylor as the other lead called two rain blacktop How incredible um, is that, that these two guys? It's worth it just to see these guys alive and in their prime. And right. like Dennis is just exudes cool in every conceivable way. But it was definitely an experimental film uh, done right. by Mommy guys Hellman, right? who were unbelievably stoned. I, I'm convinced. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how else to describe the tone of that movie. I, or the pace. The pace. I was so in love with everything about that movie until I watched it. I, to this day, have not seen it. I'm like, I'm just going to let it live in my mind. I be, don't want to watch it. And you want to be like, how boring could it actually be with these guys? And the truth is, it's like really, really boring. <laughs> it's, it's like, how did they do it? I don't know. Oh my it's God. not Easy Rider in a car. A pudgy person somehow did appear. Tell me about the Radiant Radish. <laughs> the Radiant Radish is the health food store that Brian Wilson started in the early seventies, and he gives a um he gives its address in the song I think called um, Help is on the way. H E L P is on the way. And uh, it was notorious that Brian would sort of show up there in the middle of the night, like in a, in a bathrobe and stuff. And um, did they have customers? I don't know. I know that he would be the one talking about the benefits of health food while chowing down on like, like five, a bag of five cheeseburgers at the time. That was like the great thing was like he'd be he'd be kind of snorting cocaine and eating cheeseburgers and just preaching the gospel of health food and telling people to come down to the radiant radish. And writing songs about it, because that's what the Beach Boys do. They sell things. So that, is that that's where he meets Jack Riley? I believe so. Riley is this enigmatic character who died a few years ago, but was really the manager of the Beach Boys during what a lot of people consider to be their greatest period. So then 1972, uh, right? Bruce 70, Johnston leaves. No, 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 no. 71, we oh. have Jerf Sup that comes around, sort of right after Sunflower, which the song is a, is a smile outtake that's no one's heard. And what they do is they actually take part of what Brian had recorded and then they re-record, they marry it. Mm -hmm. There's a part of him singing that's from 1966 on the final record. Oh, really? So they come to Surf's Up the album. Jack Riley's there. Uh, Dennis, uh, they're so uh, mad at him that they shut him out of the record. 
because he had released a single, a great single called really? Sound of Free. What? Um, and uh, th- th- he's making rumblings about doing a solo record. I'm sure there's other much more, um, you know. He got a taste for it on Sunflower. And it's like, but to go from one record where he's uh, he's singing three songs and like written four of them. To be shut out. To be shut out. And it turns out he had great songs ready to go. Oh, yeah. A song, uh, you know, a song called Wouldn't It Be Nice to Live Again and a song called uh, Which Fourth, is the, Fourth of July. Wouldn't It Be Nice to Live Again? Is that the, the, uh, the one Manson song that he rewrote no that's what? a song called uh, cease to exist <laughs> terrible song um but they the interesting part of that song is the way the beach boys arranged it so but this one has um carl starts writing some songs he writes a song called long promise road which is oh, awesome that is aw- that fully hooks me but we have to go with feel flows which is the kind of great song that anytime anyone who's watched the movie almost famous right there's a song in the middle of it that Every time I've watched the movie, and I've everybody watched it a goes, few times, everyone's what like, is that? "What is that?" That's song? the Beach Boys, and that's just this song. Then there's a song called Take a Load Off Your Feet, which is literally about foot care. Uh, and it's about like watch when you're, you know, make sure you have shoes on when you're watch, walking in grass or Until otherwise have, you might step on a piece of glass. Of course. <laughs> That's they have, also have like uh, drink the water. Isn't that one of them too? Don't drink the Don't water, drink which the is water. sort of like an early environmental theme, which is, I kind of like That's Al Jardine. He's yeah. got a great song on there. A couple of songs. There's a song called a day in the life of the tree, which this is classic beach boys. Lex, they decide to get their manager, Jack Riley to sing it. Right. Even though he's got terrible voice and the five guys, six guys at this point in the beach boys all have unbelievably good voices right. let's get jack riley to sing it it's still a great song and it kind of he adds this like weird dissonance to it yeah that, that's like a flat note but the great other song on there besides surfs up is till i die which brian wrote and it's all about mortality and so he can write a song about foot care right and then he can write a song i'm a cork on the ocean floating over the raging oh, sea I love i'm a cork on the ocean It's worth noting that on this record, uh, Mike Love chimes in with a rewrite of Cell Block Riot Number no. Two or something by Lieber and Stoller that he's written new hippie-fied lyrics called "Student Demonstration all right, all right. Time." I gotta, st- I gotta stop and just ask, like, what is Mike Love's vibe? <laughs> like, what what is this guy forcing on the world? Like what do you day think? to day, he just seems like the biggest dick in the world. Uh, I, that there's so much the posturing. Running. He's in the running. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's like Gene Simmons level, like 
Yes. A-hole. I mean, there's stories you could tell about this guy. And yet, he's the one who keeps the Beach Boys going. He's the one who he actually does have a wonderful right. voice. Same mentality of like, let's keep this this ship together and keep on sailing. Let's write, a, let's write 12 straight songs about specific car models. Not just like about cars as a metaphor. Let's write about actual Year, cars. make, yeah. model. <laughs> and I'm going to sell it to you. He's in that vibe. But Mike Love is... Um, he goes through this period where he's like, he, he's got that Martin Van Buren hairstyle, but he's, oh, yeah. he also loses his hair really early. Uh-huh. He's super uh, insecure about that. Uh-huh. And so he's got hats. And, but he goes through a straight edge pretty early. And yeah. so the other guys are all experimenting with substance. And Mike is just the sort of, he's both like this champion of Transcendental Meditation who right. went with the Beatles in 1968 to meet the Maharishi. Ma- meet the Maharishi. And yet he's also the sort of moralistic, right. super, um, what we, we would call it, uh, he's like a Colonel Parker type. I mean, he, he, he likes to make the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit of an Ike Turner in that regard. Right, right. Without the talent. Right. Um, he tries to write a couple songs in there. There's actually one or two that are good. Yeah. And you get the sense, how could you, like, you just, ru- it just rubs off on you. Yeah. But Mike Love is a, um, he's a, he's a villain. In the, in this story, he's the villain. And as someone says, like, uh, Brian Wilson is the straight man's Judy Garland. Right. <laughs> he's just too precious for this world, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, 72. So, Bruce Johnston leaves and is replaced with, well, they need, they need a drummer and a what? Guitar. No, what they need is they need a bassist because Bruce was playing bass oh, that's okay. and they get the guy named Blondie Chaplin, who's a South African. Uh, and he says, I'm only going to join the band. If my friend Ricky Fatar, who is my drummer in the band, the flame, the that, part that Carl Wilson had produced a record. of. Right. They were the South African Beatles and the record's okay. It, yeah, I yeah. wish it was better. But so all of a sudden there are two South African mixed race guys in the Beach Boys. Right. And and for like two solid years, and they become this incredible live act. Rolling Stone, like two years later, names them the best live act in the country. They tour with the Grateful Dead. That's insane. It's and and there, there's a Beach Boys live record that comes out around that time that sort of captures it. Yeah. But when people hear music from this period, they're like, "That's not the Beach Boys." <laughs> so you said this. I feel like in the Kiss episode of of you, uh, all the songs that you like about Kiss don't really sound like Kiss, and I have I am finding my myself loving those songs in the beach boys that don't really sound like the beach boys and and the first two that come to mind are here she comes and hold on dear brother both were with were written by those two guys right yeah they're both those two guys and you know they're amazing I, that record so they, uh, but it sounds like uh like uh here she comes sounds like a graham nash song or something uh yeah it does it's got that it's got the sort of perfect 1972 vibe which is kind of you kind of can't beat it yeah I, but, I was shocked to find I mean, Hold On Dear Brother in a band of brothers. It's not written is, by the brothers. And not written by the brothers. And I was like, what? Cannot that, be. That, but that could not be more Beach Boys-esque in its, in its fact in factualness. They, uh, you know, at this point, they're selling so poorly that the only way they get this album released, which is called Carl and the Passions, which is the original name of the group, yeah. has eight tracks on it, one of which is basically Dennis sort of moaning into a... Make it good. Make it good. Assumes, uh, make it good. And uh, the only way they can get it released is to, to be packaged with Pet Sounds. Oh my so god! So the only the, if you try and get, find copies of Carl and the Passions, you have to also buy that sounds. Wow! <laughs> and yet the songs, this first song, "You Need a Mess of Help to Stand Alone," is probably uh, is up there with my very favorite Beach Boys songs. It doesn't sound like the Beach Boys. Let's let's. I'm gonna put it. 
Little Feet vibe on that one. Yeah. It's a great Some uh, boogie in there. YouTube videos of them playing that song and like just looking like, uh, I don't know, nature's children. Right. You, you kind of can't get a, who, what, in what universe was this going to sell anything? Is the Radiant Radish still open at this point or it probably had closed? <laughs> it closed long. Because Brian's in bed. Uh, Brian's in bed and they have to like paste his picture onto the back. They literally <laughs> paste his picture onto the back of the, and he looks, he is in rough shape in 1972. I, I did my dose of LSD. It shattered my mind and I, you know, came back, thank God, in I don't know how many pieces. What made you come back, Brian? That's a hard question. Uh... I probably came back out of will. Just my name is Wilson. Maybe that's where I got the will. Uh, sheer will got me back on earth. I was. Your brothers help you. They encouraged me. My brothers encouraged me to get out of the sack. Come on, Brian. Start writing. Get off your butt. You were in bed for over three years, weren't you? Oh, it, yeah, two and a half, three years. I was. I, I hibernated. It was like. It's like some kind of a. Maharishi in the hills hiding in his bed. He still comes in and turns in this song, Marcella, which is an unbelievably great song. That's on Carl, Carl and the Passions? That's on, uh, I think that's him. Uh, he, he puts that on Carl and the Passions. But Cuddle Up is the great up. Dennis song, which is these huge strings. Uh, every, and every one of Dan, Dennis's songs is really just about yearning. You need Hot to, loins. I love you. You need to sleep with me. Like, <laughs> stat. <laughs> like, this has got to happen. But kind of, we got to play Cuddle Up because it's too hilarious. The night has come. Cuddle up to me. Keep warm. to me In dreams will dream Making love To wake To find mm, We're still I just love it. And so the much. strings get so loud on that that it's like, what? What are they? They're, it sounds like the work of not, you know, people always say the White Album sounds like the works of four different bands. Yeah. This is the sound. This is eight tracks and sounds like this, the, the work of six different bands. So. I just love that already Dennis is cultivating. He's like an iceberg, you know, he's like this avant garde, slow moving iceberg. And yet he'd been shut out of the record before. So then he shows back up with cuddle up this Wagnerian slice of like hyper vulnerable 
Anyway. Oh, so good. So um, then what's the next logical move for the Beach Boys, Lex? Concept what? album. 1973. <laughs> Let's go to Holland. <laughs> Why not? Let's build a studio in Holland at this point. Oh, the cost is tremendous. I mean, the equipment in the first place cost $190,000 to build. It was. It's an elaborate system built by a genius, Steve Moffat, and uh, it costs quite a bit to make. So, uh, but the shipping costs were tremendous too to bring back. And they get over there and they spend like four months trying to put a studio together with like transformers in Holland. And Brian comes for like half an hour and then leaves. You know, it begins with the one song that was not recorded in Holland. Right. Uh, so they turn they turn in basically a concept album, and the label says we need a single, but not a concept album about Holland. A concept album about California. Um, because they have a California saga uh, one, two, and three, oh, right. including the Beaks of Eagles, which is, you know, here we hear the Beaks of Eagles, guys. An eagle's nest on the head of an old redwood on one of the precipice-footed ridges above Ventana Creek, that jagged country which nothing but a fallen meteor will ever plow. No horseman will ever ride there, and no hunter cross this ridge but the winged ones. No one will steal the eggs from this fortress. The she-eagle is old. Her mate was shot long ago. She is now mated with a son of hers. When lightning blasted her nest, she built it again on the same tree in the splinters of the thunderbolt. A broken shack. An old man takes his time about dying. My favorite part of that it's some it's some poet that they put to music where it says like the she, the she eagle is old yeah, she's now she's now mated with a son of hers I'm like what am I listening to but it begins so with which, the song which maniac is responsible for Holland um, it's really lyrically, lyrically lyrically is mostly uh, Al and, and Mike okay yeah and they're they're not on the sort of but in the middle of it it's got the song. Trader, which is a Carl Wilson epic, which has a sort of like a, yeah. it almost has a Layla kind of vibe because it's got this incredible extended outro and it's be- incredible song. It's um, Only With You is this um, inc- uh, incredibly tender Dennis song mm-hmm. sung by Carl mm-hmm. in the middle of it, but it's, it's so clearly a Dennis song. But then they come back. It's always a game of three card Monty with them. You know, it's like... A couple of them are together, but never all of them at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's all shuffled around. But you have... It, they come back and they're like, shoot, we need a single. There's nothing here. Uh, that, that <laughs> and, and Brian... Man, what a single. And so Brian's like... Uh, they're like, well, get Brian and uh, get him like... Bribe him, basically. Bribe him to sit down at the piano. <laughs> With and, a sandwich. And I think they get Van Dyke Parks to come they do, and yeah. work on it. And a couple of other... And, uh, you know, Riley's always taking... But then they come up with this song. I just love... I think Scorsese's used that song like six times or something. I believe it. But in order to get Brian to sort of do that, they agree... (laughs) They agree to release, with the record, a like 
EP that's enclosed called Mount Vernon and Fairway, which is Brian Wilson writing a uh, fairy tale mm-hmm. about a magic transistor radio. Fairy tale was written, I've, as a matter of fact, I played the Randy Newman album, Sail Away. I don't know if anyone's heard that, yeah. but it's a great album. I used that for inspiration. I played that album over and over, sit there with a pencil, writing this fairy tale, but I had to have that album playing for some reason for inspiration. And it was the wildest thing. I couldn't do it without it. There it was. I wasn't concentrating on what he was saying. I was just concentrating on the lyrics of the, of the fairy tale. There was a mansion on a hill, but deep in a secret king, kingdom where a young prince lived, you know, like that. Which is the sort of thing I think you put on once and then never listen to again. Right. It's got one great kind of decent chorus on it, mm-hmm. but it's mostly like red. It's a red story by Jack Riley that makes, as far as I can tell, and I've tried, makes no sense. You're a good man. And you think to yourself, um... Am I, is this voyeuristic? Am I sort of like getting too much of a kick out of someone's clearly um, is suffering? And yet he's also capable of doing sail on sailor. So it's never totally clear, but they, that's 73. They spend the next two years, basically solid two years touring and they don't record again, which is a real problem. Yeah. um, Because there's a lot of good stuff that was recorded during this time and they miss out on being able to record another record with Blondie and Ricky, but they leave um, in I think uh, Ricky leaves first and then Blondie or, or vice versa, but they're, they're gone by late 74. Okay. And at the same time, there's sort of a nostalgic kick because of this is American Graffiti, right? American Graffiti comes out and that's got, you know, um, all summer long on it. And uh, they, Capitol, Capitol Records re-release, releases Endless Summer, okay. which is the great, collection that and that sold something like 10 million copies or some absurd number of copies that no one was expecting it's 1975 it's 10 years removed and it's everyone's youth and it just i think it has i don't even know if it has good vibrations on it but it's got to help me around it's got a lot of the the really early songs and it it renews what happens in the band is that Carl and Dennis had kind of had creative control for a few years. And especially with bringing Ricky and Blondie in and pushing the limits in these longer songs and not very commercial stuff. And then this comes in and Mike is then given the ammunition to tell the rest of the band, see we've been having, we've been selling live tickets, but we haven't been selling records. Here's endless summer, which has done so well. What the fans want from us is to be the beach boys of 1963. Right. They're all much older, but Carl and, and Dennis, who are also sort of dealing with their own demons, shall we say, they lose the battle here and they yeah. sort of go. One of the things about the Beach Boys is we always think it's like it's tug and tull, tug and, um, but the guys always end up going along with the prevailing spirit in the band. It's like they could have walked. It's so weird. They could have said, I, mean, I they refuse. Just, like the wind blows them one way and they go that way, and the wind blows them this way, and they get, they just keep kind of flowing well we've known each other for a really long time and so when you grow up together you accept each other you know as you are and so you know and having that understanding of each other we just accept each other you know and there, there really is there's a great deal of fellowship in the group you know in a, a very cool way you know it's just as there and it's just happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been through an awful lot, you know, together as people. And so, you know, that type of thing makes a bond in people. And so it's, you know, so I suppose that 
it's part of the reason, the main reason is music, you know, that's why we're together and, you know, and the family and the whole thing works into it. And Brian's basically a non-factor at this point because he's so ill. Uh, and hanging out with Alice Cooper and Iggy Pop, I read. Is that possible? Uh, people could start, you know, really making their pilgrimages to see him. See him. They're worried he's going to be gone. There's an incredible article that people should read by Nick Kent about the Radiant Radish days and mm-hmm. him like during the surf's up time. And he's just like, he's out of it. And yet has these moments of lucidity and and what's know. the stuff it's coke mainly a lot of pills, pills from what i understand a lot of like barbiturates and a lot of amphetamines and um it's good combo. a lot of cocaine <laughs> a lot of cocaine no heroin with this man <laughs> right but remember Dennis's he jam. was a paranoid schizophrenic like mm-hmm. diagnosable yeah and so that's happening too right and he'd been some would say that like that the lsd had interacted with his condition in a way that had really been um permanently damaging to him mm. at least in retrospect so so they, so they start touring they the, the two other guys leave and then they try this thing in 1976 called 15 big ones oof i i i it's, found that tough it's hard to find a way into 15 big ones yeah first of all terrible title <laughs> holland is a pretty cool title uh sure in a sort enough. of beach boys kind of way uh 15 big ones they're 15 <laughs> 15 it's hilarious now like terrible ones they record a ton of they they, they make this big thing about brian being back and yeah. the truth of course in beach boys world is that brian isn't back at all brian's at his absolute worst he's like 350 pounds or something he's wearing a bathrobe even on stage he's got this if you see the cover of 15 big ones you know he's <laughs> he's got like his really long hair that's parted and he's sort of wearing a moo moo uh-huh. and uh <laughs> Like the record stinks. Let's just put it that way. It's it's hard to find anything. There's one song on there that I think is kind of good called um, Oh that same song. Sorry, that same song is my my favorite tune. And they they film a music video of it in this small like Beverly Hills church, and it's it's a good song. But it's you know it's it's Brian's writing the lyrics, or maybe it's Mike Love. But it's like back in time before rhythm and rhyme, Gregorian chants were a real big thing. <laughs> what? And uh, and Mike squeezes in TM song too, right? T- T- it's terrible stuff. Uh, but they have a single that does pretty well, and if you're called "It's Okay," and an awful cover of rock and roll music that is jaunty. And but during this time, Brian gets obsessed with a sort of a. He replaces the bass with um, this kind of synthesizer sound that they call a farting noise. And we haven't played stuff in a while. Um, I'll uh, I'll play a version of. Um, oh, by by the way, I gotta ask. Um, have you heard this rumor that, uh, and it made total sense when I heard, when I heard the song in my head, I was like, oh my God, uh, that Dennis Wilson, uh, is partially responsible for you are so beautiful yes with billy preston um the joke of, of joe cocker fame I but it like, actually that makes sounds sense. like i can when you hear dennis it, it dennis like wilson a, singing you are so
God bless you, amen. But yeah, by and large, 15 big ones. Anytime you go to a record store and you're looking for the Beach Boys, you will find a copy of 15, 15 big, big ones. Because oh, everyone who was into Endless Summer was like, try the new stuff. Chuck it's like, it. whoa, what is this? <laughs> um, I thought it was pretty cool that around that time, so they have an NBC special mm-hmm. produced by Lauren Michaels and Belushi and Aykroyd are in it yep. is that right so this is kind of a pre that that's the precursor for snl basically they go into uh you know they they invade it's a great they're like you're under arrest for not surfing enough and like they they brian wilson they get him out of bed and brian plays along and but it, it ends i mean if you watch the whole thing and for a while it was taken <laughs> off of youtube are you brian wilson yes i am good afternoon mr wilson we're from the highway patrol surf squad uh, Brian, uh, we have a citation here for you, sir, under Section 936A of the California Catch-A-Wave Statute. Uh, Brian, you're in violation of Paragraph 12, failing to surf, neglecting to use a state beach for surfing purposes, and otherwise avoiding surfboards, surfing, and surf. Surfing? I don't want to go surfing. Now, look, you guys, I'm not going. You get your hair wet, you get sand in your shoes. Okay, I'm not going. Come on, Brian. Let's go surfing now. Everybody's learning how. Come, Come on, on a safari with, with us. But then they make Brian... Who's enormous at this point? Get in the ocean and try to surf. Brian can't surf. And you watch the last five minutes of it, of him trying to surf, and it's just this guy getting creamed by the waves. And I shouldn't laugh, because it feels like it should be illegal, what's happening here. Someone's being legitimately exploited. But he clearly said, okay, I'll, I'll come with you guys. So we're along. Right, because I mean, they surf, always say, okay. Surf's up's only like a few years before this. And then we go into The Beach Boys Love You, which is the gimmick oh, here was God. that Brian Wilson would write. It was going to be called Brian's in Love. <laughs> I don't think they'll go for it, though. <laughs> and it was going to be, these are all purely written by Brian and, uh, and produced by him again. <laughs> and yet, as we know... I looked at that album cover and I went, oh boy. This seems like a gem that I might be totally into. I love the needlepoint like cover and everything, and I started listening and went, "What the?" F-? He speaks in such a manly tone. Like I think Peter Buck or someone someone wrote or no no Peter Baggy who wrote one of my favorite things he's like anyone who likes the Beach Boys love you doesn't actually like the Beach Boys what they <laughs> like is like laughing at mental illness and I don't think that's quite true there's some beautiful songs on there the song called Airplane is really great um, but just just to give people some context I wanna tickle your feet drop you in your little tub Wash your body and shampoo your hair. Be careful not to sting your eyes. When it's night, I'll put you in your bed. And I'll bend and kiss you on your head. I want to pick you up. Rock you back and forth and make you. 
Patter on the butt. There's a song on there that is um. If it doesn't give you, if it doesn't make you feel supremely uncomfortable, it made me feel so uncomfortable. And yet, I know exactly what they're doing. They're just playing with their little babies, or they're paying. They're they still want to treat their little children like babies. And yet, it sounds it sounds so creepy, so creepy. <laughs> it's like I think someone's gonna try to pick up my kid. The, like the first song, "Let Us Go On This Way," is beautiful, but you know the lead single was called "Honking Down the Highway," and the first. First, it goes honking, honking down the gosh darn highway. Gotta get through um, this crowd. And then it, it, the backing of it was, uh, the B-side was a song called Solar System, which has the, contains the line, If Mars had life on it, I might find a wife on it. And so it's... Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's wonderful it's, that I, it exists. I, I, I happen to love a lot of it. Some of it's really bad, and it and it does beg the question: Is this outsider art at this right. point? I, I don't know. Or is it legitimate um, as a sort of is this conscious or unconscious? And that's the Beach Boys conundrum. It's sort of it's all of the above. Right. And right. Pet Sounds is not that long ago. Right. Surf Sunflower is completely so totally sophisticated. Yep. Um, and then you have Love You, which sounds like it's some, a real screw is loose. And yet, a lot of people cite this as an influence because it's got this lo-fi, everything's done on a, a keyboard. For sure. I mean, this album stands out as a statement. A statement of what? I don't know. But it is. it certainly makes a big impression as a whole. Whereas like 15 big ones, all you think is 15 big stinkers, you know, 15 15 crappy, (laughs) you know, Dennis and Carl, who are so incredibly gifted and got so much to say, they're frustrated at this point. And so Dennis like just sort of bails, though he's still, he can't bail on the band. It's his brothers. It's also his bread and butter. But I think around this time, he releases spending right now. Yeah, he's spending a lot of money, um, but he's burning it, burning it. So he's he has to release a solo record, but he's, he's been recording nonstop for a long time. The reason why they started singing surfing songs is the the true good looking dude in the group, the group, the actual surfer, the party animal, the ladies man, all the stuff, right? Is Dennis. Yes. Is Dennis. And he is, you know, you look at him, he's a, this amazing looking dude who kind of personifies a look yeah. at a time and uh, he's Dennis Wilson the idea of making people happy with smile I buy um, it's like a drug I guess some people are addicted to uh, alcohol others to whatever it may be I'm addicted to uh, looking at that, that person and knowing that they they're entertained so he yeah. comes out with Pacific Ocean Blue which actually sells oh. extremely well in 1977 1977 man pacific ocean blue brings out this thing that's like so you have like this like total i don't know um really really simplistic stuff going on in the beach boys 
camp and then he comes out with an album that is totally of its time jesus absolutely uh fully realized uh the work it it it, it sounds like it could have been made by a beach boy but it doesn't sound at all it doesn't sound that much like the beach boys outside of carl singing on a couple songs Um, the 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 other thing that strikes me about this album is now based on the the stuff you were saying about how how many mixed signals there there are uh how it changes album to album song to song it's all mixed up. Pacific Ocean Blue is so clear. It's good. You look at the you look at the cover, and it is Dennis, and it is a strong font, and uh, his voice is forceful. Let's let's hear Blue River song. I mean, he's working a lot with... He's really good friends with um, Daryl Dragon, you know, from Captain and Tennille. Do I know? And in fact, Captain and Tennille, like on their first couple the records, Dragon. they cover not- a lot of Beach Boy songs yeah. and they cover Dennis. I think they do a version of Forever. Yeah. Um, the You know, the Beach Boys at this time, by the way... It, People don't know that, I guess, Brian Wilson was really behind the beginning of Three Dog Night. Really? Comes together. He's one of the main people. Brother, They were signed to Brother Records. The oh, early wow. stuff. And their first single, I think, they did a version of Darlin'. Uh, their their oh, song. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Um, they they do... Captain and Tennille is, is another sort of offshoot of the Beach Boys in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then sort of the... Um, come to find out, like, it's 1977. Fleetwood Mac is getting huge. We've talked about it before in the, that episode. McVie entering the picture. Well... Oh, McVie, the, the, the real one who worships Brian is, uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. And, uh, he's one of these people that gets very disappointed when he actually meets Brian, uh, cause he's in such bad shape and, <laughs> and you know, late seventies, ABBA is doing extremely well. And they're also, they, they consider themselves absolute Brian Wilson devotees. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I gotta send you a couple songs. It'll blow your mind in that regard. I mean, it is amazing that Pacific ocean blue exists as it's a masterpiece and Dennis is a fucking mess. Yeah. He's his, his life. I mean, how many times was Dennis actually married? What is, what is the stat? I thought it was three or is it way more, way more. What my favorite, uh, uh, we keep talking about how crazy Dennis is, but my favorite, um, that I read, uh, was, um, in a really interesting piece that in Rolling Stone that came out right after he, uh, he died, um, about how one of his wives, they just, they enjoyed their fighting, um, even after they were divorced and in 78, they were long divorced. He stole her Ferrari and dumped lighter fluid all over down at Venice Beach and lit it on fire. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, 
he was married first to Carol Friedman, then uh, second to Barbara Sharon. He wrote a beautiful song about Barbara. Then he's married twice to errant actress Karen Lamb, who's that's, the ex-wife the Ferrari. of, key, of the, the Chicago guy, Robert Lamb. Oh, okay. He was married to her in 1976, and then in 1978, he had a long relationship with Christine McVie from Fleetwood Mac. Starting in the Tusk era. And then at the time of his death, I, I know I led with this one time with you, is it Wilson... Dennis was married to but separated from Sean Marie Love, the daughter of his first cousin and bandmate Mike Love. His second cousin. His second cousin, <laughs> and who he hated. Like he, the the stories of Mike and Dennis getting uh, goading each other on are notorious. So Dennis was, I think, a, an addict of of, of uh, addicted epic to everything. Pro- proportions of epic proportions. Dennis, how you doing? Out, how you doing out there? We're keeping you awake? I'm borrowing my brother Carl's microphone. <laughs> I think that... Is this ABC? Yeah. <laughs> you need a new microphone. No. Meanwhile, like, um, the Beach Boys sort of regroup to do this MIU record... <laughs> Which stands for Maharishi International University, I think. And uh, they reconvene, but really, Carl and Dennis are sort of doing their own thing at this point. Dennis is doing Pacific Ocean Blue. Carl's just not interested. Right. And they put together a record which is produced by Al Jardine, which a lot, who a lot of people would say is the kind of least talented member of the group. Though I have, he's the guy who sings like, uh, you know, uh, Help me, Rhonda. Mm. And he's, he's, I like his voice, mm-hmm. um, and his voice is the most well preserved. They put together a record, which is truly the worst record. I think it's even worse than Fifteen Big Ones. Here I reveal myself again. You there's like a, it. there's a few tracks on there that I tell I me what really you like. Enjoy. Okay, all right. I will go down the. I I like Pitter Patter. Oh God, yeah. Okay. Uh, I like My Diane. That is the great song on the record, in my opinion. Yeah. And I like Match Point of Love, which we already. Uh, talked about i won't say what how you feel about it but i i think it's okay yeah i mean match point of our love it's um you know it's mike love doing exactly what he does which is taking a metaphor and (laughs) boiling it down to its essence i guess and it's exactly what you think it's about it's a tennis metaphor about a relationship which kind of works yeah um Um, should we play my diane yes now that i have lost my Brian wrote song My Diane about Diane Rovell. Okay. Uh, Brian was married to a woman named Marilyn Rovell, who was the sister of Diane Rovell. So, I mean, a little awkward, I guess. Yeah. Um, around this time, they try to... Can't re- wait to listen to the new Al. Uh, <laughs> sweetie, um, just don't listen to that one song. Let's skip this one. <laughs> around this time, they, 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 they record a follow-up to their Christmas album, that you know, Little St. Nick, the great Chris- yeah. Beach Boys Christmas album, and it gets rejected 
by the record company and um, because it's largely pretty bad and yet it's got some incredible songs on it that were released much 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 later but there's a song called Winter Symphony which is as good as it gets mm. and there's a song called Christmas Day by that Mike Love really uh, uh, that you know Phoenix this is so funny. You know the French band Phoenix? Yeah. Netflix a couple years ago did a uh, Christmas with Bill Murray special. Yep, yep. And that. Phoenix show up in the middle of it and they sing this song Christmas Day that Mike Love had written and they kind of put it out as a single. And oh, it's a, cool. It's a great song. That's awesome. Uh, but none of it, of course, gets released. And what does get released is MIU, which is a stinker. It is a pile of S-H-I-T. What do they say? <laughs> what do they say in, uh, in, in, in Spinal Tap? It is a shit sandwich. Shit sandwich? <laughs> oh, that's so But Bruce Johnston re-entered of old. This is 1978, 79, and they put together something called LA, which stands for Light Album, and um, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's fantastic. What the hell? So it's I mean, so unexpected. Totally maligned, right? Well, partly because it's got an 11-minute uh, disco version, or sorry, a 11-minute yeah, disco version of Here Comes the Night, which was on Wild Honey originally. <laughs> They decide, oh, let's re-record it in an 11-minute disco. disco version song. But, you know, disco DJs, my, as my brother, John, who, yeah. he says it's a huge cult favorite because it's awesome. It's got all this vocoder on it. Here comes a night. Well, I mean, as far as disco goes, this is a badass disco song. It's, it's great. It's more like Atlantic Star. It almost sounds like 80s sort of disco leftover when it, the, the, the style was changing. But that record, Dennis is back singing with the Beach Boys again and he puts out a song on there called Baby Blue yep and Angel Come Home Angel Come Home is a choral song that Dennis sings that and it's sings. an awesome song awesome and uh, Good Timing is Brian he's like oh hey guys you forget about me here's an incredible beautiful song called Good Timing Pop Perfection, sung by Carl. It's so good. Um, and then, uh, but you cannot talk about that record completely <laughs> without getting to the final song, which is Shorten and Bread. Which we've already talked about. We've talked about Shorten and Bread before, because Shorten and Bread is like anyone who came and visited Brian during those years. Got was, stuck. Got stuck singing endless, like, you know, 30 minute long versions of Mama's Little Baby. I love just short, love the idea short. of Lindsey Buckingham in the corner, like all coked out, just like... <laughs> can't do more shortening bread. I can't take more shortening bread. During this time, you know, though, like they, the Beach Boys are like, you know, they go and sing on a couple Chicago records. Uh, Carl is enlisted. They tour with Chicago, right? Yeah, and Carl is enlisted by though, you know, Elton John to, to arrange all the backup vocals on "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on oh, Me." Oh wow! And it's unbelievable. Yeah. And then you have Bruce Johnston, who's back in the fold. He's yep. invited by Roger Waters to do um, a bunch of backup vocals on uh, the Wall. Wow. And it's great. Yeah. Because Bruce Johnson is re is back. He's recording this. Bruce Johnson, meanwhile, during his like sabbatical, is like seven years away from the band in which they really produce a lot of crappy music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he wrote this. He he wrote the song called "I Wrote the Songs." I write the songs, which Barry Manilow takes oh. to the top of the charts. Really? 
and it gets a Grammy for. Wow. Bruce Johnson is not prolific, but he does fancy himself a songwriter. Sure. He writes songs called I Write the Songs. Yeah. And he, <laughs> Barry Manilow hey. takes it to the top of the charts. <laughs> Go with what you got. There's like, they, they, you know, the Beach Boys during this time, like there's a song, there's a, they, this, they, they form an extra band called Celebration that puts out a song called Almost Summer, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's lots of like, random stuff i mean there's also an aborted attempt at a brian wilson solo record called adult child that's earlier on he bamboo can, he takes on a, happen right that's dennis's uh follow-up follow-up which was a lot was recorded it's <clears throat> been a lot of it's been released and all of it's really good there's a song called holy man is worth seeking out constant yep. companion is great there's mm, there's some love that song some funny stuff about uh yeah there's there's we could talk about dennis forever uh they they, they come back with keeping the summer alive in 1980 so um, i especially with the album cover i i get at this point and i had the same reaction of you know dave marsh the the rolling stone uh writer uh called la irrelevant <laughs> And, you know, when Keeping Summer Alive rolls around in 1980 and you see this, this, the guys still doing the beach thing in a snow globe surrounded by snow, part of me goes like, who who do you assholes think you are? (laughs) Like, you can't keep doing this. I know. But they do. And I think that Keeping Summer Alive has some good stuff on there's it. a song on there called going on which is one of my absolute favorite songs of theirs it's this and mike singing it but it's a brian and carl wrote it together it's it's fantastic and uh santa Ana winds is pretty good endless harmony is kind of pretty i think it? keeping the summer alive is good joe walsh shows up on it i mean there's there's never a bad i mean i would i oh, would darling. i would go toe-to-toe with anyone talking about the beach boys in the 80s and the 90s i think that there's a lot to yeah. give thanks for but what are your top five lex um Top five. All right. You're, I think you're going to hate all these, but here we go. It's okay. Wild situation. Wild situation. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Sure, I guess we, uh, we better play it to give some context. Yes. I think that song is bad ass and it's also hilarious because it's dennis saying thank you god for putting this awesome half naked woman in front of me and she's coming right towards me and it's going to be a wild situation i think there's a like the fade out doesn't he talk about rhymes with direction yeah okay uh wild situation um here she comes off Carl and the Passions. Ooh, yeah, all right. Um, I said, uh, my Diane, uh, Angel Come Home. I think that's actually my favorite Beach Boy song. Um, <laughs> I'm shocking you. Going out of my head. In case you didn't notice, these are mostly uh, Dennis Wilson vocals. Um, and it was a toss-up between Baby Blue and uh, Santa Ana Wins. At first, I, I, it's this same thing over and over with the Beach Boys. I like reject them 
off what I think is going on and then it seeps into my pores and I listen to Santa Ana Winds and it's an awesome song. It starts off really corny, mm-hmm. uh, talking about the desert wind, you know, the hot wind. Um, and, but then it just, it it's an soars. Song. You it just, soars. you just, you just, what you've closed out with an owl song. That's a, a beach boy. <laughs> hell of a purist would just give you, but they would really pat you on the back. They would <laughs> say you've do done like, something incredible here. Like that poor fellow. Okay. Is it my turn? Yeah. It's your turn. Uh, I would start with off sunflower. I do all I want to do, which I think is just unbelievably beautiful. Yes. Um, off surfs up. I do till I die. Which is Brian at his sort of most uh, incredible. I might put feel flows on there um, just because it's so great. Good. But I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do two feel flows. Off. Uh, I would go to um, the Trader off of uh, Holland, which that is the Carl song that really moves me d- uh, deep down inside. Um, there's a song called Winter Symphony that Brian never released that I think is uh, absolutely fantastic. And let me close with. Oh, I, I wanted, part of me wants to do Marcella, but I think I will close with Good Timing. Good Timing. What a great song. I mean, I, I also have to. Um, I just have to say that I'm so glad that I did this. <laughs> I, I just never would have taken the journey on this through the mm-hmm. 70s and all these albums, and I found so much good stuff. Oh, I also wanted to ask you, did you know about, remember when we talked about Cheap Trick and we talked about their soundtrack uh, phase? Yes. And the Beach that, Boys have a soundtrack phase. They did Problem Child. <gasps> they, did, they did a song, as we all know, with the Fat Boys. They did a version oh, of... Oh, that's uh, right. Uh, um, uh, what's the wipeout? Okay. Uh, and they did a song for up the Creek. That's what I was going to point out. Um, so did cheap trick. They did. They did. Yeah. They did up the Creek is by cheap trick. I mean, listen, I could, we, we could, we could bridge gaps with these guys forever and ever and ever. Amen. Because, uh, once you get into the eighties, I mean, they're recording with, uh, John, John Phillips, John Stamos, John Stamos. There's, um, crossovers with Carl is singing on the back uh, round of a lot of really, really amazing songs. Yeah. But anyway, but so thanks for know, indulging me. I feel like well, I've that, been indulged a little bit today. No, I, I want to ask you sort of what, what is your, your grand statement on, on the beach boys as far as, I mean, influence is clear. Um, I find there's the mix of, I mean, to be get serious for a minute, there's a mix of, uh, tragedy and sadness mixed with beauty that I find to be deeply encouraging about life uh, to get, you know, that I find that the, the beauty that's transmuted or transmitted through um, the utter brokenness. Like when we talk about people being a broken vessel, there's no more broken vessel than Brian Wilson and his brothers and the sort of sustaining love of the good mixed with the bad and uh, the, um, uh, the highs and the lows and the contradictions. I find everything today in our, I think we need, has to be one thing and not another. Yep. And the Beach Boys are everything. Right. They're, they're uh, 
totally hip and totally lame. They're totally like Republican and totally Democrat. They're total hippie and they're totally straight. They're, um, they're total rockers and they're total melodicists. Yeah. They're totally high culture and they're totally low culture. They're totally, (laughs) they're totally high. They're and they're totally high. They're totally West coast, but they've also got two South Africans in the band. I mean, it's, it's to me, there's something deeply human. I guess you could say they kind of sum up to me everything that I like about humanity. So is that enough for you? (laughs) On that note, note. what would you send it out? Send it out on. Uh, Let's put out. uh, Why don't you um, get you back off of 